Feeling anxious and tired? Not sure what to do? It's time for a new mindset with a new podcast show. Coming to you through your headphones and smart speakers from London to all around the globe. This is the Hey Ryan podcast with Ryan Allen. Welcome to the Hey Ryan podcast, which is all about men, anxiety and the conversation. This is episode two. I'm Ryan Allen, your host. Here we're talking with Colby Sharma about his first new novel, The Curveball, is an extraordinary story of how we can change our fears into fuel, doubt into confidence, ego into selflessness, and defeat into victory. It's a novel about grit, adversity, and winning the game of life. Kobe Sharma is from Toronto, who graduated in law from the University of Liverpool. He's both an international traveler and philosopher who has a burning desire to encourage people never to give up even when things may appear bleak. We are delighted to have Kobe Sharma in the house on the Hey Ryan podcast. He'll be joining me in just a moment. But first, make sure to visit our website, heyryanpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, all via our RSS feeds, so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you find a value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Always remember, you're not alone, but never stay disconnected, stay connected, stay open on heyrunpodcast.com because your mind matters. And now we have Kobe Sharma. How are you? I'm doing excellent, Ryan. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. It's a real pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, this is episode two and it's it's really coming together, so I'm really pleased. And uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of people eager to hear it. And um, the listeners are going to be of all ages. And one of the things that we need to kind of go into and get stuck into is the book, Careful, which you wrote, which is your debut book. And I've read it, and I'm really keen to learn about how this began, this book. So how did it start? Well, this book was more than four and a half years in the making. I actually wrote this book as a first-year law student. I was back home for the summer, and I was flooded with these ideas. I knew I wanted to write a book, but I wanted to write a book that encapsulated my own personal journeys that I went through. I have played baseball as a teenager. I played in my high school years, and I just got down to writing. I just got down to writing each week in the summer, each and every day, I would try to deliberately get some words onto paper. You know, I had tremendous like inspiration, you know, obviously looking at my father's guidance in this process, but a lot of it was going back into my life. And you mentioned that pivotal experience of the learning disability I had when I was, I was around like 13, 14 years old. So that was challenging because I had to go back into time in my own life, but I managed to recreate those feelings and that experience, which shaped me profoundly. Yeah, and just put it into context is that we were talking before we went on to the recording to just learn a little bit more about the book and and obviously having learning disabilities. And a lot of people have challenges in life, you know, in different ways. And how did you, when you discovered that you had a learning disability, how did you feel during that time? And then how did you get to a place where you could move past it? Sure. I still remember when my dad dropped me off at a special school that I went to ameliorate the effects of the learning disability in Toronto. And I was shook. Yeah, I was like, where am I? What is this place? Do I really have to go through it? 
And it's that feeling of we're about to jump into the deep end of the pool, but we just don't know the body of water that we're getting into. So it was tough for the first couple of weeks, I'd say. Mm. But what really made me feel at ease and, and comfortable was the community I was around. I had such mm. strong supports, not only at home, but at that school. I made some lifelong friends that I still hold strongly to this day. And it was all those people that took me from someone with a lot of potential, but still to be unpolished and uncovered to you know where I, I am right now. And Wow. And you know, what's the, the disability, the learning disability specifically? I'm not sure it's scientific name, but its effects were, were kinesthetic based. So bumping into things, mild okay. comprehension issues. It was stuff like right. that. Yeah. My and you know, and that's what I, I share. You know, sometimes we have to lose something to find everything <laughs> as they open the book with. I don't mean that for your audience in a negative way, but what I do mean it in a way that you need to be humbled by an experience though. You need to be humbled by something. So often we're caught up in, in an egoic centric mindset though, that we need to be taken down a peg, even metaphorically speaking, to really know what those experiences are like and how we can move incrementally throughout the process. I mean, if you were to ask me the actual process of writing the book and completing the book and publishing the book for the world to see, there is an element of imposter syndrome there. You know, it was like, what am I getting myself into though? I mean, it's those jitters when it's like a first book. And I was thinking unconsciously, what do I have to share as a one, as a first year law student though, that people can take something away from. But the reality is, is that we all have a story. We all have a journey. It's about how we express ourselves. And it's about what we just truly want to share that can uplift in any way, anyone in any walk of life. Wow. That's very deep. (laughs) I have to say, I think that, you know, reading the book and I I was particularly reading the foreword and uh, I guess I'll leave that up to you to just explain who wrote that foreword and also to give people a bit of a context of who they are and and how they have impacted you. That's really important, most of all. For sure. So that foreword was written by my father, Robin Sharma. You know, that foreword, it still gets me each and, and every single time about turning that pain as a source of instrument of deep human power. I mean, that foreword just really had so much. His impact has been so important in my own life right now and in everything I've experienced and accomplished. He's a guiding rock and truly inspirational figure in my life. When I was writing the book, just looking at how to do certain things was just tremendously important. I grew up in a house like filled with books, filled with ideas. So we would talk about you know things so often. But it was just a tremendously important, tremendously important inspiration for this book. And Robin Sharma generally is an inspiration to us all, I think. I'm still trying to deal with the 5am club because I really, that's a challenge for those of you who don't know. It's so funny on that. I was up at, at 5am yesterday and I was just messaging him at 5am. I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't like plan to get up at 5 It's possible. It is actually possible to get up at 5am. And I have to say, I have to quote a little bit from the foreword. It says that there's two bits. I mean, the whole forward is incredible, but this is the, the ones that rang true with me, or to me, to face defeat and yet continue until you win, is to walk the path of the hero. To know pain of hurt and to keep chasing your dream is to soar with the angels of your highest nature. That's something else altogether. 
isn't it? <laughs> you know, that's so, it touches your heart in tremendously deep ways. I mean, at that time in my own life, I was, I was going through different like career paths. So one of my journeys is a, it's a story of different curveballs and different career paths, paths mm. in law, uh, banking, sales, finance, to really get to the stage right now. And, you know, I've always felt drawn to writing and drawn to like writing and creating a book. I've always been tremendously creative as a kid. I love to draw. I love to paint, love to, to write and to color. So that's one thing I always really had going for me. But then it was when I really got down into the weeds of my life and experienced different things that this curveball really made sense to bring out into the world. And it was July 2020 when I was editing it and COVID struck. And I'm just like, this is a bang on time to bring it into the world. Well, it certainly is. And, and you know, I've been reading it and I'm just curious that there are so many interesting characters, but particularly Bryce is a an interesting character that I'd like you to share, you know, who they are and and what's their journey through this story. So Bryce, I wanted to construct Bryce in a sense of like he's drawn from so much ego in his life. And he's really needs to be humbled as we see throughout the book. But the characterization of Bryce actually represents the duality in human nature between drawn to escapism when times are tough and that vice that we have for anyone it could be it could be alcohol it could be any kind of thing that really numbs out pain but also you have such a caring supportive figure like his wife in in the book so it's that duality from someone that is at such a high perch in his life but he's struggling with you know why me why right now do i really have to do x y and z so I wanted to really bring a few things to light in the characterization of Bryce. One of them is the mental health struggle that he's going through. You know, he's ruminating on quite a few things as he meets his mentor. He's struggling with, with AUD, you know, alcohol use disorder. He's struggling with the vicissitudes of life. And to bring that as a package is, I thought, pretty powerful and pretty unique. Wow. And there was a page that I've have it, I've got it marked. So it's on page 58. Um, it talks about that connection between Deshaun Parker and the words of wisdom that's coming out of this character, that which you can hear that Bryce doesn't quite understand where they're going with the conversation. And there's a bit where it says, but nobody weeded out Deshaun Parker. He's a good fielder, but his real skill is at the plate. Parker, Bryce knows, is perhaps the finest clutch hitter in history. But then there's a part that I find interesting. It says that, when Bryce has the conversation with Deshaun and he's still confused as to what's this, what are they talking about? And so can you explain who Deshaun Parker is and on what is their sort of, what's the characters kind of want in this story? For sure. So when I was writing the book, you know, I was inspired by so many books that I was reading that I've read. One of them is the five people you meet in heaven. So Deshaun Parker is a pivotal person that Bryce meets to really help bring him out of this deep rut that he's in. Not to spoil the book for your readers, though, but he comes in magically and he just appears at the right time to give Bryce that much-needed guidance. And as you mentioned, it's not about just being the clutch hitter, but it's actually knowing how to win the World Series that is tremendously important, though. It's not the fact that you've won it, though, and I mean... 
in the UK cricket, in the side that, you know, we're at Lords and we're at the top of the game, but it's how to do certain things, which are the most important thing. And for Bryce to get better physically and mentally, he's going to need to have to relearn these very pivotal lessons. And I think, you know, because I'm a huge fan of tennis, and if you don't know already, Wimbledon is off and away at the moment. And, um, you know, I've never, I mean, I know baseball. It's not a proper sort of, it's not a UK game that we follow, but certainly you can see the concept. It translates to any, any industry. And I think one of the questions that I have is your main character seems to struggle with alcohol, the use disorder. And given the link between addiction and mental health, what was the inspiration behind the character themselves? Well, the inspiration behind the character was, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of friends that kind of went down that path. So, right. you know, just unconsciously speaking, that was a huge part as well. But I wanted Bryce to come into the world in 2020 because so many people were going through something big in 2020. I mean, there was so much escapism. There was so much, I can't cope with the curveball of the pandemic though. I don't know how to break a challenge down sequentially, incrementally, step by step. And I want this challenge all done at once. I'm bored of it. I can't take it anymore. So that was an important and salient feature in the characterization of Bryce and, and his message of, of don't give up hope. We can break down challenges together. Absolutely. And the pandemic, the pandemic is a huge curveball. I just yeah. wanted to share at page 43, the importance of choosing your responses, the importance of how one response eliminates the other. We can't choose to feel scarcity and operate from abundance, though. We can't choose to feel anger and sadness, though. So when Bryce is, he's going through the recriminations, he's at the park, which is his ritual. He has his, his coping device with him, but he's going through these deep changes to how he approaches situations and how he calibrates his own response. And I think from listeners listening to this, is when life shows up and gives you a curveball, you have to make a decision. But it's how you choose your decisions determines the outcome. And I hear that completely. And so, you know, coming back to the days of doing law, because you were at uh, the University of uh, Liverpool. So what made you consider this as a career? When did you decide to, that was it? It's pretty big to do a law degree. Thank you so much. You know, it was a tremendous experience. You know, I started in, in the Cayman Islands for two years, finished in Liverpool. The degree intellectually just gives you so much. You know, you know how to really do some very crucial things, negotiation, communication, etc. I was disillusioned with wanting to practice law because of my own experiences that I went through. You know, I, I wasn't paid in my law job, so that was a pretty strong disincentive to want to continue. Right. <laughs> and I just didn't like where I saw things go. You know, I, right. I didn't like where I saw the workplace culture as such, but the degrees was tremendously important, especially for me right now. Well, you say the workplace culture, generally speaking, they do say that lots of people who, you know, are not happy in their jobs, not necessarily about the job itself, it's often about the culture. There is, you know, and the culture can have a huge impact on retention of staff, of employees, and that's something for employees to be mindful of. But one of the things that I wanted to touch on is the, because you've talked about culture, you just mentioned about culture. 
obviously we're in still this global pandemic where we don't know what we're going to be doing next. One minute we decide to do one thing and then all of a sudden we get given the news that we can't do this and then we have to go back into lockdown. We're not in lockdown at the moment in the UK, but certainly it's not looking great. So in regards to motivation, how do you remain and stay motivated during these very, very challenging times? One of the things is the importance of rituals. As I share Topin page 67 and 68 of the book, you know, rituals are deeply patterned ways to accentuate higher performance, to really get you in that mode. When the life gets tough, the tough return to rituals. And that's never been more important than at this time. But the thing is, the rituals can be the smallest yet biggest factor in getting to your higher performance selves. I mean, going to the literature, there was a piece in the Harvard Business Review by Dr. Scott Baronado, who said, you know, rituals can be something so small, yet that sparks something big in the brain that removes the negative responses, that removes that stress-induced response to bring out the higher performance. I mean, his example was burning a picture of an ex that, (laughs) that sparks something big in saying, no, I need to move on. I need to... Really so you had to burn the fa- you had to burn a picture. <laughs> you had to burn a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I think that holding on to the past is never a good thing. And I think that if you can find ways to remove that, it's always best to do that through various means, whether that means tearing things up or, you know. But obviously for those who are listening, please make sure that you are mindful that you're doing any burning is outside and not indoors, just for safety reasons. But definitely I get your point. And so when you made that decision to do that ultimately made you feel a lot better. And I think as we are in these times where people are at home or they are reading books, they are binging, watching Netflix and various other programs and shows. When you talk about rituals, what are your rituals that you are able to share that you enables you to kind of have the buzz each day to move forward and progress? So other than journaling and other than reflecting, I go out every morning, take my coffee onto the balcony, and I just sit. I just sit and explore where I live right now, that street, just waking up. I'm just sitting there in that moment, and it's really getting me into this headspace, not only to come on uh, on the Hey Ryan podcast and deliver great value, but any other work I'm doing for that day, I think is just tremendously important. Just one of the things that a lot of people ask me is like, you know, what is the difference between a habit and a ritual. And especially framed within the context of the book, because the main character is all about rituals. He's at the park late at night. He's doing these mental recriminations. And I'd say a habit is something that gets you to the furtherance of your goal. So weight loss, for example. But I'd say rituals are a deeper set of practices, community kind of based, or maybe not as community based, depending on your context, that really trigger a higher performance selves and a high performance engagement, whatever it is that we choose to do. If you look at the native Indians, they have a lot of community-based practices that really help them conduct different things. One of the things we can do is we can implement small, small rituals. So we can kiss our parents to begin every day. That's a ritual if we keep it up consistently that really helps us move through the day and know we have that love, that tenderness and support behind us. Yeah. And I think a ritual could be just going out for a run every morning, 
it could be, and I also think it's important to hydrate every day. That's really important for the body and for the mind. But certainly it is very, very important that we do try and change our days up, not do the same thing every single day. I think that's been a challenge for many people. And it's also being so separate. And how have you been able to manage in Toronto? Are you still in lockdown? Are you out of lockdown now? We're out of lockdown. We're out of lockdown. So that ended about two and a half weeks ago. Things are opening here dramatically. Vaccination rates are up. I myself have had the vax. And so I've managed it pretty well by doing a couple of things to really bring a lot of joy and cultivate that throughout the day. I talk to my friends. I see friends. I read. This work keeps me busy as well. So, Well, it will be. And this book has now got an international connection now. So talk to us about what's happened with that. Yes. So that book is being released by Jayco Publishing House in India. So that book is available across the Indian subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Maldives, etc. It was released formally June 25th. So this past Friday. For everyone to check it out, it has an exquisite cover to it. (laughs) I saw it. Yeah. (laughs) It's very, very good. Yeah. yeah, Very, very cool. I like it. Thank you. And for me, I'm just so pleased for you because I know you've worked so tirelessly trying to to get this book off the ground and doing any kind of project to get the things off the ground, it requires a lot of effort, a lot of attention to detail and to stay focused daily. The main thing that this journey has taught me is the importance of, you know, anyone and everyone can really find something in this book, no matter what stage of life you're in. You know, I mentor a lot of, you know, youths amongst young adults, not too long ago myself, but it really is a book filled with timeless lessons for a timely moment in our world today. You know, it's a world filled with complexity, filled with uncertainty. And if we want to succeed in the new world beyond the pandemic, we need to reuse a lot of lessons in this book. Well, this book can reach so many people. And certainly it does talk about grit and and adversity. And adversity is, is what we're in. We're in adverse situations, but winning the game of life because every, every part of life has a curveball. You don't see something coming and then all of a sudden it happens and then you don't know what to do. But as soon as you get into a rhythm with life, then you begin to make decisions. And when the curveball comes along, you're able to hit it back because you're in a better place. And I think the word gratitude is probably the word that kind of comes to mind when we talk about these things. And when you're on the, the balcony and you're sort of just taking it in and you're watching the morning unravel around you, from where you are living, that's talking about gratitude, I think. And also, I, you know, I encourage people to, actually, something that I'd ask you about is, you know, how do you, when you're outside and moving about, do you spend a lot of time in the, maybe sort of in the parks and, and, so, and near the trees and so on like that? Or because you're in the city, right? Are you more in the city? So are, are there any greenery where you are? It's few, few and far between, but I make an effort to do outdoor fitness classes, which is in a park. I make an effort to do things like that. Well, we at some point we're going to have, you know, because we were just interviewing and talking with Sarkasam about the same thing. And he's a fitness guy. I won't call him a fitness freak because he's not a fitness freak, but he's certainly a, a very, very ambitious fitness person. And also looking forward to speaking with Sean James, who's one of the former NFL pro athletes. So it'll be interesting to, at some point, we will no doubt have a group conversation in much the same way. And so... Coming towards the sort of the end of our conversation, I'm just curious to learn where we can find out more about this book and also 
how can people find out about you? So you can connect with me on Instagram, Colby Sharma Official, Facebook, The Curveball 46, LinkedIn, Colby Sharma. You can sign up for my mailing list at colbysharma.com, where you can access a couple of cool things. You can access my private coaching through the Scouting Report program, which is one-on-one with me, and we sit down and we go through what you're you're going through through right now. I have a book companion for $25, which is four exclusive videos that I've created as long with a free workbook where you can, you can go through the videos, you can go through the workbook. Mm. Finally, you can find the book, the Indian version and this version <laughs> on Amazon <laughs> under a search of the title. Yeah. Gosh, there is a lot. So obviously, com is where you can you'd be found. So just Google you because they'll find you, Kobe Sharma. And the Kobe is C-O-L-B-Y. C-O-L-B-Y, S-H-A-R-M-A. I also like to share that I do public speaking. I do public speaking for organizations, for companies, groups. And when you say that you do public speaking for companies and groups, so you've talked about the youth. Let's just talk about that. So you're dealing with the youth and what sort of programs are you doing with them? And then also what are you doing with the, the companies specifically? So I'm just talking to companies or organizations is a better word for example, about the the lessons in the book, I have a custom keynote presentation and I go through how the lessons in the book can really help uplift them where they're at right now. And do you get feedback from the companies and the youth that you work with to find out how they're they're managing with it at all? For sure. So for example, this week I have a talk, it's for a law firm and I'm going to just do the same thing. How the lessons in the book can help that specific audience uplift themselves and find meaning and impact at this time. And also, the very least is understanding themselves mostly and knowing their, how they see the world and how they can adapt to learn from the mistakes they've made because we all make mistakes, no one's perfect. And also to be able to look forward to a better future, which obviously at this difficult time, it is challenging, it is hard, but you know there are lessons to be learned and we have to learn lessons, I think. The main thing for that organization that I'm speaking to on Thursday is the importance yes. of of chasing impact, though. Mm. We can be any age at any stage and chase impact, whatever it, that may look like. We all have that within us, much mm. like we all have the agency and the willpower to choose how we respond to situations, but we have it within us to choose how we can, can uplift and make a better world. Well, thank you, Kobe, for that. Thank you for joining us today. And the book is out on Amazon, The Curveball by Kobe Sharma and details can be found on kobesharma.com and also all the other resources that you have were also on the website. So I'm really pleased that we've been able to do this. We'll do many more. I'm certainly sure we're going to be doing that. And what I can say is it's a pleasure to have you on the heyryanpodcast.com and stay tuned for the next episodes that are coming up very soon. Ryan, it's, you, been, it's been a real joy and a pleasure <laughs> to chat with you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It's been a long time coming, but I'm glad we, we're doing it. We did it. We've done it. <laughs> There's going to be more. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Ryan. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Hey Ryan podcast with Ryan Allen. To learn more about this show and to subscribe for future episodes, connect with us on our website, heyryanpodcast.com. Get connected, stay connected, not disconnected, because your mind matters.